Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Hey, welcome to the Stadium and Main podcast. I am Michael Spath uh, with uh, Justin Rowe and Will Heinegger. And normally Justin leads us off, but a very special weekend for Justin as he and his uh, longtime girlfriend, Jacqueline, got engaged uh, over at uh, Weber's Hotel. And so, uh, Justin, from uh, both Will and I, congratulations. Uh, very cool. Um, it had to have been a little bit of a surreal weekend in the best possible way. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I had a, had a great weekend. It was, it was a great way to, uh, you know, avoid the Michigan Ohio state talk and the, the fact that there wasn't a game and the disappointment of that made it into a positive, made 2020 into a positive, of course. So had a great night at Weber's hotel. It was, they were, more than accommodating for us and uh, did everything they could to make the night special. Uh, and then, of course, Lewis Jewelers, where I did go and get my ring, and they were unbelievable throughout the whole process as well. So we'll actually have Keith from Lewis Jewelers on this week, too, to talk about that process and everything. Uh, but we even went back yesterday to Lewis Jewelers and, and got the ring uh, sized, in it, and they did it. They were busy as heck, but still got it sized and everything in, in like less in an hour or something. It was crazy. So they are just unbelievable on the customer service side as well. But um, yeah, wanted to wanted to give a shout out to all the sponsors because I hit every one of them uh, this weekend. We we had lunch at uh, Wolverine Brewing Company yesterday uh, as well, and so uh, they uh, they treated us. Nate, you know, we, he came on last week. He treated us to that ham and pimento stack cheese which was unbelievable too so had the whole stadium in Maine uh weekend for us that was uh that made it very special um and it was a great weekend for Jacqueline and I well Justin uh so I'm married and have a one-year-old coming up on Christmas day you just got engaged so now from our team here we're throwing all the pressure over to Will's way <laughs> Hey, I'm cool with that. I guess uh, I would take the bet on myself as the next one then, huh? There yeah, I would think so. P pretty safe bet. I would think so. <laughs> pretty safe. Pretty safe. Well, Justin, you mentioned, I mean, no Michigan-Ohio State game. Um, guys, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, and this kind of surprised me. Um, now, there have been some things, uh, so, some 
um, stuff we've had, family stuff we've had. Uh, yesterday we had a, um, we were watching a funeral service virtually uh, for one of my wife's uh, dear friends who passed away um, yeah, in October. Sorry. And, but I, the amount of football that I've watched in the last two weeks is less than an hour total. And I'm, I mean, I'm as hardcore of a, of a college football fan. I mean, it's my number one sport. It's, it's college football, college basketball, and then like major league baseball, the NFL. I mean, it's my, it's by far my number one. And, and I, so I've been a little surprised. I don't know if it's because Michigan hasn't played. Um, I don't know if it's because like just this college football season has been so crazy. I think yesterday there were 13 or 14 games canceled uh, or, or not played again. Um, but, you know, I don't want to say I didn't find myself missing it because uh, I certainly, as I saw Michigan State, Penn State play in Northwestern Illinois and uh, Rutgers, Maryland, all those great Big Ten rivalries. Um, I thought, man, this, this should be the day that Michigan and Ohio State are playing. But um, at the same time, uh, I didn't lose a lot of sleep over it. I didn't, I didn't sit there and grind my teeth and, uh, and shake my fist and say, like, you know, how has this happened? Um, I think what we've all learned from, from COVID is you just adjust to a different reality. Uh, and I wonder for you guys, if, if yesterday, if, if college football um, has just as you as you kind of take it all in, we're now done with the regular season. Um, if you know, how have you kind of processed this season and the and no Michigan Ohio State game and just how everything has been so different this year? Man, Mike, you said it. I mean, my last two weeks have been very similar in that I you know I always watch college football. It's sort of what my Saturday revolves around. And yesterday. I was running errands and it felt like it was nine o'clock at night because it was five thirty and dark. Um, but I thought to myself, like, this is right in the middle of the three thirty window. I would be watching and ready for the eight o'clock games. And I couldn't tell you, I looked once I was at the grocery store who was playing in the primetime game. Um, I didn't even know. And I felt bad about it a little bit. I, was reminded of Michigan I felt I felt sad so when I I watched a little bit of the Penn State Michigan State game um I caught about 10 minutes of the LSU Florida game and then I saw how it ended which was funny but uh every time I I would see a little college football I would think to myself well you know this is when the game is supposed to be played and then I would go back to this year has been so weird and it's not even technically the last game of the year and hey wait are we gonna play next week it's just it sort of brings up more questions and I don't know how you experienced it, Justin, but uh, very different year this year. And my enthusiasm for college football is, is lower than it has been. Yeah, that's for sure. I think definitely now that there is a chance that Michigan plays again, it's very weird because to be honest with the last two weeks being canceled and us getting to the somewhat end of the regular season, I was kind of okay with being done watching football, at least Michigan football this year. And now there's, you know, the possibility of another game this weekend. And it's like, do I even want to get myself up again to watch these games and deal, first of all, deal with watching a 2020 Michigan football team because it hasn't (laughs) been pretty. Um, But it just doesn't seem like we should be – um, you know, watching another game because it's it's also weird. It's not a bowl game, but it's a, another Big Ten game, and it's a it's a Big Ten West opponent and all this stuff. Um, and now there's you know there's been rumors about 
Iowa as well as some other teams and and it's just uh it's just some it, it's just weird like you guys said it's just an odd thing and I've been uh I've kind of shifted my focus um I'm I'm with you guys I'm 100 percent you know college football will I'll watch a Pac-12 crappy game at you know one in the morning just because it's on but um now with the weirdness and the the uh the end of the football season I've kind of shifted my focus over to Michigan basketball Big Ten basketball and some other things and so now I was kind of ready to shut the door on football and and keep that basketball uh window and door open but now it's like all right we got one more game and we still don't know the coaching situation. We still don't know the quarterback situation. There's just so many question marks around it. Well, I think the thing that's, you know, too, I'm curious about for, for both of you guys is, you know, this rumor that Michigan, this was going into last, going into the, the, the final week of the regular season. Uh, Chris Ballas from uh, the Wolverine.com, uh, along with a couple others, had first reported that, uh, that the Big Ten was eyeing Michigan and Iowa on a Friday night. And that, that made little to no sense because uh, what the Big Ten said at the onset of this uh, abbreviated season was that they were going to take the Big Ten champion uh, or the Big Ten East and West division leaders and they were going to pit them in the Big Ten championship game. And they're going to go two versus two and three versus three and four versus four. So how does a two and four sixth place Michigan team match up with a six and two second place Iowa team? Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If they did it the way that they said they are going to do it, Michigan gets another disappointing program this year, that of Nebraska, which is 2-5 and five and in sixth place. And Indiana gets Iowa. So, you know, to me it's like the and, – and here's what's, what's crazy, and, and all of us are probably there a little bit, is, I mean, Will, you're a proud football alumnus, and you've always been, hey, you put whoever in front of us, we're going to take them on. We want to take on the best teams. And yet I would say that if you pull the majority of Michigan fans right now, the appetite has no hunger whatsoever for Iowa. But, but Will, I mean, you, you guys, you know, you're a football alumnus, like take on all comers, like, you know, throw down, you put, you put a top five team in front of us. That's who you want to play. But I got to imagine, I mean, at least where I'm coming from is I'd rather play the team that Michigan has a chance to beat than take on an Iowa team that really, again, makes no sense in terms of, in terms of how the Big Ten discussed doing this. But I wonder how, how you feel, Will, about would you rather play Iowa, a top 15 team, or would you rather play Nebraska? If you're going to play this ninth game, wouldn't you rather play a team that, that Michigan has a chance to like, be even with and maybe, maybe have a chance to beat on Saturday or Friday, whenever it is? Yeah, so you know, really two different perspectives here because from the player standpoint – I want to play the best team, right? I don't know if they care so much between Iowa and Nebraska, to be honest, but if it were Ohio State or, you know, Nebraska or Iowa, like, I want to play Ohio State. That matters to me. I want my chance at it. I want our chance at it. I want to go up against, you know, highly touted, ranked uh, NFL prospects, improve myself, you know, all of that. Um, from, from the entire other perspective, which I'll just lump everything together, would be like, if I'm Indiana, I'm pissed. Like, they've earned it, first of all. They're legitimately a top-10 team, it appears. And if that's what the Big Ten said they're going to do, then why would they not do it? Um, which leads me to the other point, which just seems like, you know, it's a money grab or it's, you know, the Big Ten trying to squeeze out whatever they can get, I guess. But uh, it doesn't make sense to me, Mike. 
The sad part, though, is I'm not convinced that the chances of success are that much better against one team or the other. Yeah, that's that's true as well. I mean, it's from what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, I don't know that Michigan is uh, you know ready to go up against anybody at this point. So um, yeah, I do. Th- I want. Um, I did want to get your perspective, Will, on the whole ducking Ohio State thing as well, because I, it's it's majority of trolls on the internet and people that are sitting, you know, the keyboard warriors and everybody else who have never probably never played a down of football in their lives and, and never been involved in any types of organization. So it, you, you take it all with a grain of salt, but um, there is the whole, the whole waving the white flag that, and the, the number of cases now came out, I think this past week that it was nine or something, um, which was, I'm not really sure of the number because was that added to the 13 or not? I, I, it's all a little unclear. Um, but then the, the whole ducking Ohio State thing came out more and more this past week, especially when we were supposed to be playing on Saturday. Um, but from a player's perspective, you know, I think you know, like you just said, all those guys want to play Ohio State. No matter if they're the worst team in the country, they still want to play Ohio State. So what does that do, what does that do to, a, uh, to a player and a team's – headspace and everything else and, and mentality when they hear those things, you know, going into the off season or going into the next week, are you training harder? Are you, is that bulletin board material? How, how is that uh, received in the locker room? Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be received well. Um, I guarantee you those players want to play, you know, maybe not to a man if somebody's got uh, you know, contract on the line or money on the line for the NFL and they're, shutting it down for the year but by and large the players want to play and that'll be something that they remember their whole lives playing Ohio State and you know that's why they play the games who knows what's going to happen um you know had had this outbreak occurred in 69 and they canceled that game people would have said oh you would have got your ass beat by Ohio State and you know what that's what everybody thought but that's why they play and um I think the optics look really bad this week uh, I think that if we play again, it probably will look even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the numbers, I don't think anybody truly knows except for the people who are authorized to know and are not authorized mm-hmm. to actually let that out. And so um, anybody saying that they know for sure uh, is, is most likely full of it. But um, I, I do feel for the players because they should be pissed if that's what's being, you know, what's being thought about them. And uh, they have a lot of incentive, let's put it that way, to train hard this offseason anyway. So maybe that just adds a little bit to it. But as far as Michigan goes, you guys, I think we all realize we're at this point where we have got to get the program fixed. We've got to get things cleaned up. And so anything that's mm-hmm. to do with this season, you know, feels like, all right, you know, let's make the best of it we can. And then, have clear dedicated plan to improvement well gentlemen i'll say i'll say this so on the numbers yeah i mean justin the the report on friday right was nine uh nine student athletes and four staff but they they michigan has never been clear about whether that is football only or if that i mean is the entire athletic department now basketball is playing women's basketball is playing hockey is playing um, no other teams are playing at the moment, but a lot of them are still training uh, and on campus. Um, and so what is that number? The week before, I thought it was either 13 or 14 student athletes were had tested positive. So 
you know what, those are all football players, and that's 22 players um, over the last two weeks, which is a significant number. Look, you know, there's hippo. However egregious it is that they were ducking Ohio State, that they're waving the white flag. Michigan could have done themselves a gigantic, gigantic favor yesterday um, or on Friday night of simply issuing a statement that said, um, we have this many players due to positive test contact tracing that would have been held out of the game against Ohio State on Saturday. And if that number is 30 or 40 or 45 or whatever it is, then it's a real number that people could at least say like, okay, you know, that's a lot. You know, yesterday, Minnesota, I think they announced had 33 players that were sitting out of their game um, against who they play yesterday um, against, uh, I don't even know. That's, a, that's how poorly I was watching football. But, yeah, I looked you know, at it yesterday, play- I still can't remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it wasn't Wisconsin, Iowa. That was the other one. Um, anyway, Minnesota so played players, Nebraska. Thank you. 33 players were held out. Two weeks ago when Ohio State played uh, Michigan State, 23 players between positive cases and COVID tracing were sitting out that game. Is there a number that is acceptable? I think that all comes back to the school and their medical team and how they do it. Should Ohio State have played the game two weeks ago with 23 players missing? I don't know. Should Minnesota play the game yesterday with 33 players missing? Probably not, considering, you know, Will, you've talked about this before. Like, when you have guys who – our, our second, third string that are now being thrust in those positions yep. and haven't really practiced it and haven't gotten those reps. Like, that's now another health, as you've, as you've demonstrated before, like a health issue. So, you know, like someone saying yesterday, well, Minnesota played with 33 and Michigan couldn't play with it. Like, hold on a second. Should Minnesota have been playing with 33 guys out? Like, I don't probably, again, probably not. So, I, but at the same time, I think Michigan could have been more transparent and said, this is how many players are out of the game. And, and that's why we decided not to play. Um, going forward, you know, this idea of like whether they're going to play this upcoming weekend, I'll say this. Nobody that I have seen in college football this year has missed three straight weekends of the season. There have been a lot of teams that have missed two. In fact, in the Big Ten, it's pretty much been protocol that you miss two weekends uh, once you pause activities. But nobody has missed three. And to me, guys, if you miss a third one, then it's because there's even more positive cases. And to me, Will, and I wonder if you agree, it's a little bit of this team essentially saying, we're done, okay? Like, we don't want to – I mean, we don't want to play football anymore. We're not being super safe. We're not being overly cautious. We're not following protocols the way that we're supposed to because we have no appetite to play another game for this coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it would be – that explicit like we're done and first of all to the numbers point yeah I I mean I do think it's a player safety issue depending on how many you have active um but if you're having guys in the two deep who have taken you know fewer than 30 reps in practice it's it's a problem um so you know what Minnesota I questioned that myself Mike I said I don't you know I don't understand why um with the Ohio State one, you know, they got 100 and whatever guys and 20 somewhere out. And so they had, you know, probably well enough to, I mean, you can only travel 70 usually. So um, they still had a full travel roster, but, um, and they won by 50. But anyway, as far as the players go, I wanted to pause it on this because I have a, 
a buddy who's you know pretty connected understands the the college athlete life and what these guys are going through and he just said all right well if we were 18 to 22 again and you were really motivated at the beginning of the season and you were doing everything you're supposed to do and staying away from the parties and staying away from girls and staying away from distractions and then you lose and then you lose again and then you lose again and you know how strong is your discipline to remain disciplined right um how strong is your desire to say well you know all right i'll just go, i'll go hang out everyone else has been doing it i'll go hang out with people or you know you let your guard down one time and i think that's the most likely actual scenario is just of why cases you know kind of crept in as well as the numbers going up nationally um but i just thought it was an interesting take from somebody who's connected and knows that scene and um I hadn't really thought about it like that, but when you, when you put yourself in their shoes, um, it's at least understandable. Oh. Did we just lose Will to a dog? I think we did. He might've, he might be dead. He might have I'm here, dead. but I'm going to get the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we got, uh, Hey, this is the, this is the beauty of like home podcasts when you can't actually physically go into a single spot. I've got, Will with a dog, um, Justin with Jacqueline running around the house right now going, I'm engaged, I'm engaged. <laughs> and then in the background here, I don't know if you can hear him, but John's playing with one of his musical instruments. So uh, all good, all good. But, um, but to Will's point, I mean, and, and you know, and, and, and that's why I even say um, if they don't play, if they can't get their numbers under control going into a third possible weekend, uh, I, I agree with Will, and I agree with his his you know his former teammate or or his friend that that is a sign kind of like you know we have nothing left to play for, so why would we adhere to strict uh, protocols going forward? So you know it's all it's all part of this whole COVID um, pandemic and and how everything has changed. How would that manifest itself? Um, if there was no COVID and they were playing a, a regular season, what you would see is you'd probably see what happened at the end of the 2014 year with Brady Hoke, um, where they just lost every game at the end, um, where the team was, was going through the motions, uh, was not very invested in, uh, in, in the outcome of the games, uh, was not very invested in, in preparing themselves um, in practices, and you saw it come out on the football field where they're losing to Rutgers, they're losing to Maryland. Right. Um, you know, they're they're losing all those those games down the stretch. I think it. I think in that 2014 season, they were maybe like four and one to start the year, and they finished you know on a on a one and six stretch. Um, and so that's how you see it see it uh, occur. And you you kind of I mean losing to Penn State at home, you know, being in a tight game with Rutgers. If they were to go out this weekend, if they do get listless that would be kind of an indication again that this team has just been checked out mentally uh at this point in the year yeah i what i think is here here's the deal is that there's all these people out there saying oh michigan is soft michigan is weak they're they're running away from all this stuff and i think it's ridiculous to 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 say that at this point because of everything going on but 
we've talked about the silence of Michigan and how, whether it be on the, the Harbaugh situation or the COVID situation or whatever else. Um, but the silence on all this stuff now makes those narratives come possibly truer. They may, it gives those narratives legs because Michigan has the chance to get out in front of these things and say, Hey, we're not playing because of X, Y, and Z, right? These things are going on in our, in our, uh, in our athletic department, in the football program, in these things. That's why we we're not playing. But instead, they leave it all kind of vague, and it's not clear. And so now that people can run with those narratives. And so from a PR perspective, I still don't understand most of that stuff, you know. And so whether it's the Harbaugh situation or this, it just looks ridiculous for Michigan. So now we're still, you know, in, in week nine, and we're now six days away, you know, from a possible uh, new Michigan game. And we don't know the situation for COVID. We don't know if they're ready to play or willing to play at this point. So, yeah, it's just, a, it's just an odd situation still. And I still think Michigan has really struggled to handle it um, well here. And so uh, I, I think from a future perspective, it, it makes it really tough for recruiting purposes. It makes it really tough for, uh, you know, building this program. If Harbaugh is going to be at the helm or if it's going to be a new coach, either way, it still is, ma- is making it tough for, um, for this program to look like a top tier elite program, uh, desirable for a new coach, desirable for a recruit and everything that comes with that. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's tough as it is to hear. Yeah, and you know, on that on that uh, point, and and will to get your thoughts. I mean, you know, as a player, you you don't care what outside perception is, um, but you know, on the outside, I mean, that seems to be a pretty big concern. You know, what it, what does Michigan look like? How does how do they run things? And right now, it's just not a good luck. It seems like they're kind of bumbling their way through this. Whether it's, uh, I, I certainly don't don't attach the COVID thing to that, but just the coaching search, having a, a, a voice, um, you know, signing day is three days away and yet still no news on, uh, on Jim Harbaugh uh, and his contract status and just all these things. It just doesn't seem like Michigan has got their, you know, their, their stuff together um, right now. And so at least that's the perception. And, and that's not a perception that you just want hanging out in the, hanging out in the ether. Uh, at the moment. But I do know that one of the things we wanted to talk about, guys, was uh, Justin, you had asked Will about this earlier in the week, kind of this idea of when he played for Brady Hoke uh, and was a player's coach. And and so, Will, I wonder if you could talk about that, like the, the coaching styles, because there's, there's generally, I mean, there's a lot of nuances to it, but there's generally like two rules of thought. There's the coach, the, the player's coach, um, and then there's the coach's coach, I guess. I mean, it's, it's kind of the equivalent of like the Tom Coughlin who was first at Boston college right. and he went to New York jets, our giants, and then the Jacksonville, you know, and he was, you have to be on time for everything. If you're, you know, if you're not here 10 minutes before it, you're late and you're going to get fined. And it's like all about discipline, discipline, discipline. And a lot of guys crave that. And yet after a while, it kind of becomes a little bit annoying and people start tuning you out. And so a lot of times those coaches only seem to be able to have success for a certain period of time. Then there's the players coach who a lot of times come in, becomes buddy, buddy with everybody, boosts everybody's egos, 
um, gets them to play their best football again because they believe in themselves, and that works great. But then a lot of times, four or five years down the road, the players take over and, and take over the asylum, as they like to say. So kind of give me your thoughts, Will, and, and this is really you know, Justin's question, um, but about like both styles and which one you worked with and which one you think is better for this program. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And, and I think there's, um, there's some misunderstanding or just misconception of like what a player's coach is, or like you said, more of like a militant style, but to the Tom Coughlin style, I think it's interesting, you know, that, that style seems to be at least fading out or it was more common 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and it makes sense, right? It's, it's fairly sort of military strict, regimented. Um, a lot of those men who are implementing it either had time in the service or, you know, were related to somebody who had time in the service and that's sort of where they got their ideals of success. And even with Coach Hoke, you know, we studied um, going back to, you know, the ancient Chinese warfare talking about being prepared properly for your opponent and that that's your best chance of success and so some of those things are critically important the biggest thing to me though when you say players coach is like there's a difference right like when Mike said you become buddy buddy with everybody um, there's sort of a lack of that hierarchy I think you know the inmates run the asylum you get problems um, with coach Hoke the thing that will always aside from beating Ohio State um, the thing that will always stand out to me was the very first day he met any of us. He had all the seniors come separately one-on-one -on -one to his office for you know 30 minute session. And the first 15 minutes, he didn't say a word about football. He just asked about your family. He asked about your life. He asked about your upbringing and there was no rush to it. It was just genuine, right? Um, he cared. You could tell that he cared about you. And then when we met as a team, he said, you know, I'm not going to be your best friend. You know, I'm not going to be your dad. I'm going to be your coach. I'm going to tell you exactly what I expect of you. And then we'll review the way you did it and we'll improve from there. And I thought that after that 2011 season, the ship was righted. Um, I know a ton of guys felt that way. I think there were a lot of unique circumstances in the coming years that sort of led to it unraveling. And maybe that needle did move a little bit more towards the, towards the player's coach. But um, it's just interesting to me because you heard stories of five, 10 years ago at Alabama, even maybe five years ago when, you know, Nick's style and Nick's regimen style was getting some pushback from players and even costing them recruits. Um, you know, got to be able to sit through these meetings with no phone, um, you know, you got to be able to study for a long time, not joke around, not get distracted, but that you respect the coaches, you respect that their authority and, and you know that they have your best interest in mind. And when you have that combination, you have ingredients for a very successful program. And I think you look around the country and you'll find that in most places that um, are consistently successful. To me, I always kind of thought, and when I, I mean, I coached, at much younger level, right? Like seventh, eighth graders and the whole thing. But I, I remember asking my dad about it one time and he kind of said, like, just kind of try to picture it a little bit as a father-son relationship where you, it's very clear, like, who is the father in the relationship? And it's very clear who's the son yeah. in the relationship. And you don't need to be, he's like, the relationships that get mismanaged are ones when 
you know, the parent wants to be the best friend of their kid and they forget that they're also the disciplinarian and they're also the one that tells them what's right and wrong. Um, And they're also the ones like, like you want to have a respect relationship back and forth, but you don't need to be best friends with them. And I always kind of thought about that. And at least at that level, it used to always work for me. I don't know if it translates as well to, you know, 18 to 22 year olds or 25 to 35 year olds. Uh, but it certainly was what stuck with me. No, I think you're right. I think, you know, having coached high school ball myself and developing relationships with those kids, to me, that's the best part. Um, I still have hanging on my wall a uh, just like a poster they made me with a little little handwritten, you know, notebook paper note, and then they framed it from each player, each senior the first year. And You never know how much you touch these kids until you get the messages like that, right? Um, and what it means to them and it that wouldn't have happened without that foundation of respect and caring for one another I agree Mike you can't get to a place where well you can it's the coach's choice if you want to relate to him like that but then again you're forgetting what you're hired to do what your responsibilities are that you are indeed responsible for not only their play and their development as football players but also you know as human beings during those ages 18 to 22 um what I wonder about and I know it's not not for this podcast but I just do get curious when you get into you know into like you said 25 to 35 year old range and these days some of these coaches in the NFL are actually younger than some of their players and uh I'm curious how those relationships work out but uh you know up front I'd say that coach Hoke coach Carr were incredible at letting you know in multiple ways and and through their actions and just day to day that they cared about you as a human being. And when you start with that, then as a player, there's a huge chunk of things you don't have to worry about and you can just focus on the instruction. And that's a big deal to me. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, you know, when I asked this question, I, it was, I was thinking about, the things I've heard from former players and, and you know, NFL agents or whoever is that it's that are close to the players under Harbaugh and, and the big gripe is that he doesn't have great relationships with these players. Um, so there's no, like you said, there's no foundation to build on. So when you don't have a foundation of a relationship with a kid, when you tell him off or yell at him or try to um, build him up even none of that is going to stick, right? And so that's where I think we are at and what we're seeing right now is when things go wrong in these coaches, especially, you know, I'm, I'm obviously uh, speaking more on, on Harbaugh than anybody else, but when they try to, you know, bring the hammer down and, and get in guys' faces or say, you know, try to get more out of them when things are going wrong, it, it tends to uh, bring the worst out in that kid or they are not going to respond well. And so I think that, you know, going back to uh, Coach Hoke, he probably, even when things were going wrong, you guys still believed in uh, a lot of what he was saying because you knew he was genuine and you knew he was there for the right reasons and things. And so I think that sometimes the perception of Jim Harbaugh right now is, is he there because he has a big ego and he wants to be 
the man who wins at Michigan or is he there because he loves Michigan? He loves these kids and he wants the best for them. And so I look at it, you know, even going to uh, Juwan Howard, he is the cool uncle type guy now. Right. And so maybe he is a little bit too much on the best friend type thing um, in terms of a player's coach, but it's working for him in terms of everything recruiting the players right now talk about him. Like he's the greatest man on earth. Um, so it's just a, a two very opposite coaching styles in the uh, two big sports for for Michigan right now. And so I want, yeah, that was kind of what what brought it so to my mind. Yeah, so Justin, I love you, man, but I feel like you took a lot of jumps there, a lot of leaps <laughs> there, without without like having ten former Jim Harbaugh players or ten current Jim Harbaugh players sitting here on this podcast and saying that he is all those things that you just said he is, um, that he is only in it for himself or something like that. Like, I don't, frankly, I'm not comfortable, say, like, just kind of throwing it out there and saying, hey, this is who Jim Harbaugh is, and he's, he's way different than Brady Hoke. He's way different than, um, than, than Juwan Howard. Look, you know, a couple of years ago, he was all those things. Everybody had the perception. At the end of the day, and we all know this, and Will, you know, Will knows this, when you start losing, you start getting picked apart, and every little potential character flaw gets turned into, well, this is who Jim Harbaugh is. This is how he's lost his team. This is why uh, they don't win football games anymore. This is how his recruiting is not good enough. When you're winning football games, everybody talks about, well, he is all in for Michigan, and his players love him, and he goes to bat for them, and all those different things. I mean – I have a hard time saying Jim Harbaugh is, is not someone who cares about his players when even throughout the summer, I saw him show up unannounced for the Black Lives Matter movement and support his players through all those things and then show up and really rally his, uh, rally his team and rally the community to, to try to play uh, because all those players deserved it. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's fair, honestly, to, to make kind of those jumps and say that he's, he's not this way or he's an egomaniac and he doesn't have that type of relationship with his players. Again, even if that is some of a perception, unless we had a whole bunch of guys, a whole bunch of Will Heinegers five years from now, tell us all that. I'm not, I, I don't think that's fair to accuse Jim Harbaugh of things that we don't and know. I, so how, how I was trying to say that was not that I know that he's like that or, or even accusing him of that. But I think that when just the way that Jim Harbaugh is that, when things do go wrong, the perception can be that maybe he is that guy. I don't believe he's fully that guy. I do still think he loves Michigan with his heart and wants so badly to, to win here. But I think just with his personality in the, and he is, uh, he does have an ego. I don't think there's any secret about that, you know? And so um, there, there is the, the, the perception can be, that maybe, like you said, when it when things go south, all those things kind of come out, and all the um, all the rumors and all the finger pointing, and it's this, this, and this. I think the perception comes out that he could be that type of thing, that type of person. I'm not saying he was and, or is. So yeah. And I'll jump in, just you know, sort of <laughs> mediator in between here. But you know, Mike, we have a couple of examples we've even talked about, you know, on this show with. Well, I guess Denard wasn't one of his players, but coming back and, you know, not being involved whatsoever, not being allowed to be involved. And then um, with the whole Devin Bush, you know, team MVP thing and, and sort of 
subverting the, the team vote there. And, you know, I, I agree with you. We'd have to have a lot more evidence to make those claims broadly. However, I think you're, you're both on point when you say, of course, as you start losing, well, first of all, take it back to when we were winning, both with the beginning of Coach Hoke and with the beginning of Coach Harbaugh, right? Those players went from a losing team to a winning team, and they knew it was obvious and it was evident in their record and their play and the attention they were getting and their ranking. They were getting better. I don't think anybody could argue that, and that's part of what drove us, and there's a real momentum. And so when it starts slowing down and, you know, the 10 and three and the becomes, you know, nine and three and eight and four and so on, you start to think, you know, why are we losing? As, as Justin said, everything gets picked apart a little bit more. And I think coaches even, even really good coaches will second guess themselves um, as things feel like they're unraveling. And often the result of those changes to me seems like it unravels things more. Um, but, you know, I think it's a really good discussion to have because the way that coaches relate to their players and frankly, more so the result of that, the way that the players feel about their coaching staff is there may not be a more important thing in terms of the, the effort and the quality of effort you're getting mm -hmm. on a consistent basis than that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a great point. And I think, you know, what's going to be interesting to, to me and kind of uh, this, conver this conversation about, um, you know, what players say is no player is going to say anything right now. But five years down the road, if this divorce takes place between Michigan and Jim Harbaugh at the end of this year or the end of next year, um, barring a 12-0 you know, season in 2021, Somewhere down the road, we're going to pick this apart and talk about like how it, how it failed. Um, and, you know, maybe that's not the most pleasant conversation, but it's also interesting because you can learn from it. Uh, and it just seemed like it was such a, a guaranteed success uh, going into it in 2014. And I think all of us are kind of at a loss of, of how we find ourselves here uh, on December 12th uh, or December 13th, whatever today is. Uh, wondering, you know, where we got, how we got to this point with uh, with Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football. So, gentlemen, I do want to, um, I do want to get your opinion on just college football overall. Yesterday, uh, Florida lost to LSU uh, in a game that, uh, like you will, uh, I caught highlights of after the fact and saw how it went <laughs> down. Um, you know, not a lot of other big games yesterday in terms of uh, impact on the uh, the college football race. Um, you know, you've got uh, championship weekend coming up, Clemson and Notre Dame squaring off again. Everybody assumes Clemson's going to win, but who knows? Maybe Notre Dame gets, uh, gets the Tigers twice. Uh, Alabama does play Florida. I would imagine that um, unless Alabama gets blown out in that game, that Alabama's head of the college football playoff. Uh, Ohio State gets Northwestern um, in what they're expected to win by a lot. Uh, Iowa State, uh, kind of the outside dog here, trying to beat Oklahoma and get to the playoff. So let me ask each of you, how, how do you think this is going to go down when it comes to the four teams left standing? And are you okay with how you think it's going to go down? Justin, let me point out one, one piece of last night, and then I want to hear your four, and then I'll give mine. That's All cool. Right. Yep. Yeah, so just to take the little coaching transition, the coaching conversation into this one, 
Um, Mike, the end of that LSU Florida game, for those of you who didn't catch it, LSU ended up winning on a 50-something, 57, 58-yard field goal that was only possible because uh, on a fourth or end of a third down, would have been fourth and six. At the tackle that the Florida player made, he got really excited. The LSU player's shoe came off during the tackle, and as he got up, he launched the shoe uh, as far as he could. He threw it, <laughs> and he got a 15-yard penalty, and the drive continued. And to me, when I saw that and read about that, that was a comeuppance for Dan Mullen who I think is great at developing quarterbacks and is not a very good leader of young men. Uh, a couple weeks before when they were playing Missouri, Florida and Missouri were playing, they got into a huge fight. And instead of getting his players uh, into the tunnel and being a responsible adult, he was um, hyping up the crowd and trying to get people more involved. Like it was a wrestling event. Uh, <laughs> event. And so I thought that was some comeuppance. You got to have your discipline at the right times. And frankly, that actually may have cost Florida a chance at the playoff obviously they would have had to beat Alabama but teams have done that in the past and I thought that was a uh, a fitting way for them to get knocked out of the playoff at least yeah I I think that for sure I it's uh it was an interesting thing Dan Mullen's an interesting guy as well and, and I um I feel for Florida you know every everybody outside of the guy that threw the shoe I really feel for them because I think they're a great football team Kyle Trask it, it, he is unbelievable so um yeah that's a that's an interesting uh perspective on the discipline part of things and um it's just i go back to the egg bowl uh what was that last yes. year two yeah. years ago with the the guy you know did the dog pee uh celebration and cost them the egg bowl as well and it's just uh it's definitely something that coaches you can't control everything that an 18 to 22 year old does right but you can control a lot or put it in their heads that they need to be um you know disciplined in those areas so that was that was I was laughing first of all while watching it a little bit um just because of the right. ridiculousness of it but um that's a tough way a tough way to lose the game for sure so yeah I so in terms of the uh the four teams that was a huge game for Ohio State, first of all. Um, that was uh, – Florida was one of, the, one of the teams that maybe would have kept Ohio State out of it if they win that game and then go in and beat Alabama um, they, in the SEC championship game. That, that would uh, probably put them in, or at least they're, they have a you know, great uh, resume for the discussion. But now I think that Ohio State is probably a shoe-in if they weren't before. Um, I, Alabama obviously is that, that one team, it'll be really interesting to watch. I believe it is this week or this upcoming weekend. Now the, uh, Clemson Notre Dame game. Right. And so, um, that is a, a rematch after Notre Dame beat them in overtime. Um, and so now they'll have Trevor Lawrence. So I'm really intrigued to see that one and see how, uh, how it plays out because I think if Notre Dame even still plays them uh, plays them close um, and loses that game, I think that they're going to be one of those top four. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm with that, you. I mean, I mean I, that's I a think, good take. I um, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Will. I have a similar. Go ahead, no, no, no. Will all you? I'll jump in afterwards. All right, sure. Um, yeah, so, sounds good. So. I feel like the Notre Dame Clemson situation is kind of a, it's got 2020 written all over it because I feel like if this were a normal year where everyone's playing a full schedule, 
and more so the fan scrutiny was at the, the level that it normally is. Um, I know I'd be texting you guys. I'd be saying, you know, Notre Dame straight up won against a freshman quarterback. Yeah, albeit a five-star, but he never started a game in his life on the road. Um, you know, like, sweet, good win. It's still Clemson, but, mm -hmm. like, let's see it against, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Um, so I'll be really interested to see what happens this weekend. Um, you know, Clemson can – has been known to send a message when they want to. And I'll be interested to see if they try and then if they're able. Because a couple of years ago, I think it was Trevor Lawrence's true freshman year, um, when they blew out Alabama in the national championship game and, mm -hmm. and opened my eyes in a way I hadn't seen anything like that uh, since Saban was there. So I do think Clemson uh, for sure. I think Alabama for sure. Some shocker. Notre Dame, I actually think they're probably the fourth or fifth best team. Um, I am going to say, assuming Ohio State beats Northwestern, um, I'm going to put them in. And I think – I don't know at what point in my life that changed where I would have in the past, no matter what, found a way to exclude them or say, screw them, I don't want them in. <laughs> but you can't – I can't honestly watch them play and say, I don't want to see them play Alabama. Um, and, and then the fourth team, I'm going to throw a wild card out there, Mike. I uh, – <laughs> it's a different year. A lot of things are, have been changed and upended. And there are only two teams in the country who are 10 and 0 right now. One of them is Notre Dame, and one of them is Coastal Carolina, who is 10 and 0, ranks 13th. They beat a good BYU team on like three days' notice. And you know what? It's 2020. The winner of ND Clemson can get in. Alabama and Ohio State can get in if they take care of business. And then I'd like to see Coastal Carolina. Uh, who cares if they get their butt beat? never seen anything anything like it or at least since the Boise State days and that was not uh, for the national championship so I say let them in there's no other team maybe Texas A&M who has an argument but obviously it's probably going to be those those four including the loser of the ND Clemson game Mike what do you got no I think it's I mean I think it's going to be Ohio State Clemson Alabama Notre Dame um, unless Notre Dame gets blown out uh or, you know, if Clemson loses, tw if Clemson loses to Notre Dame, I, I think then it's the only way that one of those four teams is not in there because yeah. uh, then they would have the loss, you know, two losses. And then it becomes like, okay, who is that fourth team? Um, is it Iowa State if they beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship? Uh, do you say, hey, it's 2020? And to your, to your argument a little bit, Will, like, let's just kind of throw convention out the window and invite one of these um, group of five teams uh, to the college football playoff. I doubt it's Coastal Carolina. I think most likely it would be Cincinnati. Um, that would get that, get that nod. Yeah, good um, point. But, you know, or BYU, although BYU has been held back in the, uh, the race. Well, BYU at this lost point. to BYU lost to Coastal last week, which is part of why I threw them in, but you're oh, right okay. about Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, I expect it to be college football, regardless of how this year has been different than anything else. Um, I expect college football to be what college football always is. And that's just favor the big boys, uh, make yeah. it uh, as blah as possible. Um, you know, our Ohio state, Notre Dame, Clemson and Alabama, the four best teams in college football, probably um, Notre Dame can go out there and prove it with its performance against uh, a, a Trevor Lawrence led Clemson um, on Saturday. Again, Iowa state, I think is a little bit intriguing, um, if, can you guys uh, if explain they can get that in. to me? Can somebody explain? Ohio, uh, I, I mean, Iowa State a little bit because I was looking. I saw they had two losses. I looked at their stuff. Like, 
if it was an undefeated team, I could understand. But how is a two-loss Big 12 team being considered? And I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I think just because there's not a lot of other great Power 5 teams right now is the only, okay. is the only Especially reason. Especially in the Big 12. Um, and, and the same thing is happening. I mean, USC is 5-0 and right now, and they're also being talked about because they're the obvious best team in the Pac-12. So I think it's just weird because those two conferences usually – have at least somebody, you know, right uh, mm-hmm. in the discussion. So you kind of have to talk about them, but I still don't think they're legitimately. No, I don't think they, yeah. I mean, are they getting in over Notre Dame? Or are they getting in over Clemson? Probably not. So again, I think it's going to be the four teams. What I would love to see is, and I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, I don't know what the bowl allegiances are or alliances are, but I mean, to, you know, Will, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, if they both are undefeated, um, after the regular season, you, you got to play them in the bowl game, right? Like I know, yeah. like that's yeah. not maybe Conference USA. I mean, you, but you got to play them in the bowl game. Let them play each other. Uh, be like the unofficial uh, group <laughs> of five national champion. And like <laughs> honestly, to me, I don't know why this hasn't been done every single year. Sure. Like that's a good why point. not to if if you're gonna if you're going to exclude them, if the Power Five is going to be so powerful and essentially say like we're never going to take a group of five. There's nothing you can do that you're ever going to get in the playoff then take the top two group of five teams and put them against each other. And honestly, let's be real about this and let's just get over, uh, get on with it already. And let's just divide the power five and the group of five and give them their own semifinals and national championships. Right. Let's see. Right. I mean, maybe the, maybe you're not talking about 25 million people watching Cincinnati play coastal Carolina, but if you had Cincinnati coastal Carolina, BYU, and I don't know who the fourth best team is in the group of five right now, but if they played their own semifinals and their own kind of quasi-national championship, I mean, okay, sure, so you're not designating them the national champion, but you say we are the best team out of the group of five in 2020, and that's a pretty high accomplishment. And maybe you get some type of trophy for that. But, I mean, why are we trying to continue to continually um, play this game where, like, hey, everybody's equal out of the 120 teams in college football? It's not. It's absolutely not. You have no chance. Cincinnati's undefeated. Yeah. Coastal Carolina is undefeated. Yeah. And they have no shot whatsoever to get to the playoff. Yeah, and the frustrating thing for right. me is and, – right, and, and, and those budgets are not the same. Yeah. Mm-mm. Go ahead. The, the frustrating thing for me is right now, 2020 would be the best year ever to have an 18-team, yeah. 12-team, 16-team playoff, right? Like, throw throw everything away, say – this is a crazy year. Everyone's got different schedules. We're going to use this to uh, transition into an, an expanded playoff. Let Cincinnati in. Let Coastal Carolina in. Let you know, a 6-0 USC team in. Um, maybe even, like, you're, you're looking at possibly Indiana. Uh, you know, yeah. we, it's, there are so many options that the NCAA – could have done this year in the college football playoff committee to say, Hey, this is uh, in a weird time. We need more games for more money during bowl season. Everything <laughs> right. like this. You know, like this is a great opportunity where all, all of a sudden, you know, and, and you, you come out of it, the NCAA for one time in their entire lives comes out as the good guy. Right. And they're still mm-hmm. getting more money because of it. So I'm like, from a business perspective, from everything, do it. it. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me not to. It's kind of crazy, but it, it would. That would have been the one like great thing to end this 2020 crazy season is if we get 
a uh, an expanded playoff out of it and get to see finally Cincinnati go up against whoever uh, or some of these teams that are deserving of at least a shot at it um, to to see how they how they stack up against these big dogs. That would be really cool. That would have been cool to see that I, I, yeah. and or Mike's. I like Mike's idea too. I mean, mm-hmm. have yeah, a sure. have a separate national championship and you know what. Would, like you both said, that would create more money, which is something that the sport's obviously interested in. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd get even a lot of eyeballs, Mike, at the lower level if you could do something like they do in European soccer where there's a chance you can move up if you win and, and a chance you get moved down if you, you know, are absolutely awful. Um, but I think mm-hmm. that's a great idea, both of them. I'm, honestly, guys, I'm shocked that one of the Bulls has not already jumped on this. And, you know, maybe it's uh, – you know, who, who has got the, the gumption, who's got the, I don't want to say the arrogance, but the, the, the gravitas, that Bronx Bowl that's played in New York City at Yankee Stadium. I mean, come on, I love New York. Like, I don't know how you guys feel about New York, but New York is New York, man. Like, it's, they, got, they got it all. Why not right. them just step forward and be like, you know what we're going to do year after year? We're going to put on our own uh, national semifinals between a group of five teams. We're going to invite the four teams. We don't care what their bowl alliances are. We're just yeah. taking them. And, and they would probably put them in those games. Probably go right. They would probably take that mm-hmm. invite over the mm-hmm. bowl unless they were in. Unless they somehow made it to a, the playoff, which obviously is the reason we're saying yeah. this in the first place. I think they'd probably take that invite for a chance to play another either undefeated or you know top team and be able to. Who knows? Maybe they'll even pull a UCF and claim themselves national champions. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is definitely you know how how much better does it look for one of those teams to be the you know. 2020 uh, group of five champ or national championship or champion or whatever than the Idaho potato bowl champions. <laughs> right. Know? So like right. from, a, from a, a looks perspective, it would be so much cooler for those kids and it would be just like a much better, uh, you know, uh, look for them to be the champs of something like that than one of these crappy bowls. Well, I'm looking at the CBS Sports right now, and their um, bowl projections after yesterday, uh, you know, they have the top four we talked about, and then they have Florida playing Cincinnati, or Cincinnati playing Florida in the Peach Bowl, um, you know, and, and certainly it's a New Year's Six game, and I get it, but I'm trying to find, um, oh, Sunday afternoon is when he puts out the restroom. I'm trying to find, like, who, who Coastal Carolina is playing. I'm trying to find who Tulsa is playing. I'm trying to find who BYU is playing, and yeah, I mean, it makes a lot more sense to me to to have those guys play each other and to crown a a quasi group of five champion um, than to then you know say okay Cincinnati gets a payday. I get that. I understand that. But if is the payday going to be that much bigger than if you get create this uh, this secondary um, you know semifinals and ESPN or Fox Sports or what that comes through and. It's essentially like, look, the, the Division Two, the Division uh, FCS, Division Three. when they get to the playoffs and they have their championships, like those are all played on ESPN. Those are all played nationally, and they get pretty decent TV ratings and, and yep. money out of it. So I would just, yep. I would just do that. So we'll, we'll, see after, we'll have to see how this, uh, this week unfolds. I Certainly wanna... we'll have uh, many more podcasts to talk about it. Uh, Michigan basketball plays today too, guys, uh, which um, Big Ten season opens up. It's a little bit weird. I'm, Let's go. Justin, have you looked at this at all? It's the only, it's the only um, Big Ten game that starts this weekend. Everything I else know. starts like later in this week. 
I, I know. I don't know why that is, or because it wasn't a schedule um, like change. Like they're not uh, mm-hmm. uh, filling in for a canceled game or anything. So I don't know what why that is. But um, hey, I'm here for it because I'm I love Big Ten basketball, and I'm I'm not not to uh, I love Maction as well. I'm all about the Mac as, as a Midwest guy. Uh, but I'm ready for the for uh, Michigan to play another Big Ten team and see how they stack up. So that's for sure. I wanted. Before we end, I wanted to get one more uh, question on football Um, because BC, Boston College, just decided they're opting out of the rest of the season, right? They are not going to play in a bowl game, not going to play in any other games. What do you guys think about that? Is that waving the white flag? Is that seen as soft or is that, you know what, it's a weird season. uh, I think one big thing that they came out and said was, our players have endured a ton of, you know, just not knowing what's going to happen day to day. It's been really stressful for them in the school aspect and training and everything else. So we are going to give them an extended break uh, for this off season and get back to it in 2021 when things are more normal. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, man. Go ahead. Yeah. I would, I mean, I, I applaud them. I mean, look like at some point, if, if you're having issues, if you're, if your medical team is saying like, look, kind of enough is enough. Like I understand that everybody wants us to play college football, but you know, it, it, this is just crazy. And we've got our students that are, you know, I, I teach at U of M and they got sent home for Thanksgiving. None of them were allowed to come back to campus now Michigan's talking about not letting any students come back in the second semester to campus. Enough is enough. Like we've got this vaccine hopefully coming. We're hopefully going to be all be vaccinated by 2021 football season, but let's be done with this. Let's be, we're we're jumping over too many hoops. We're trying to make too many things happen to, to keep these players safe. Let's just let them be safe and not worry about playing football games anymore. And I don't actually even know what Boston college record is. I don't care if they're, if they're six and one or they're one and six and some people, you know, want to question that. And I know Coach Krzyzewski from Duke came under fire because he yep. canceled the last non-conference game this week. And they were after they'd lost two games. And you know what? Sure. If you want to question his motivation, his question, whatever. Like, that's your prerogative. But at some point, like, some of these – I think some of these coaches, some of these teams, some of these um, health directors are just going like, all right, we're, we're stressing every limit out. And here's the thing, too, and I don't know about this, but if you're, you know, Boston College is uh, right there in, in the heart of Boston. I mean, who knows what the, the medical situation is? Maybe Boston right. College is like, hey, look, we're using so many resources right now to try to test 115 players and 50 members of the staff every single day. And our resources could be better spent putting all of that energy into the hospitals that have actual COVID patients that right. need us right now. And so if it's like a public health concern, like, Go take care of the public. Like, screw football if that's what this is ultimately about. And I don't know what it is, but, I mean, I'm not going to second-guess them and say, like, oh, they're giving up on the season, they're waving the white flag. Like, no, go take care of your team. Go take care of your, your coaches. Go take care of your community. I applaud you. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the wording that they said, you know, to give our players an extended break, that resonated with me because they have endured a lot. I mean – Let's, I, I talk a lot about player wanting to play, but, you know, myself and, and every other Michigan player in the past included never played through a pandemic season and don't know what it's like. So my thought was, you know, other schools should be doing this, frankly, especially with where we are in the season, 
right? Um, and, and where we are in our country with this virus, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, especially when you're, you know, even if you're talking about the cream of the crop and finishing out a national championship, but especially if you're talking about, you know, so-called meaningless games um, and resources going to places that need them more, I'm all for it. And I, I did want to just briefly touch on the Shashevsky comment um, because first, let me say I'm not a Duke fan by any means. I've rooted for North Carolina um, every time they play Duke my entire life. My dad's best friend from grad school went to UNC and calls uh, Coach Krzyzewski fair at face. So I'm not a Duke <laughs> homer by any means. But um, to hear Nick Saban come out and sound just like an utter jackass, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But when Krzyzewski's talking about worrying about the mental health of the players and, and voicing something for those who are mostly powerless, the players have a little more power now, but still mm-hmm. the power imbalance in college sports is drastic. And when somebody – as renowned as Mike Krzyzewski comes out and says, I'm worried about their mental health. I'm worried about their well-being." And you know what? He sh- they should be. This is an incredible strain. And with the basketball stuff, they're traveling multiple times a week. Uh, they're getting games canceled day of. And for Saban to come out and say, oh, maybe it's because you're losing. Like, what an insensitive piece of shit. And, and for all these kids who you've made millions yeah. and millions of dollars off oh, of. Yeah. Sure. You don't give a damn about how they are. And, and I want to, so. yeah, 100%. And, and to add to that, I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but uh, a Florida basketball player, Keontae Johnson, who yeah, I I did. collapsed on the court, which is, I mean, terrifying. first of all, I think he's in stable condition, thank, thank the Lord. Um, but yeah. there's also been some skepticism that, that could possibly be COVID related to nobody. No, I don't want to put that out there because I have no idea, but there is some skepticism on that too. So um, it's just the unknowns of this virus are still so tough. So I think the the whole, like the, even the Minnesota thing, playing with 33 guys out the whole play football, play basketball, play college athletics at all costs is just like so ridiculous in my mind. And so I do think we have to step back right now and say, you, and say, are we, oh, do we you know, really you, doing these things? Do we, you know, all that stuff. And so I, it's just, um, I, I, I struggle with that a lot. And then when people come yeah. out and say they're soft, they're not playing. It, <laughs> I think that is just the most utter, utter, utterly ridiculous thing to, to put out there. Yeah. Well, and Will, I, I think something you said too about, um, and, and I know that you're much more focused on this with your Mental Minute podcast um, and the mental health side of the student athletes. And what you just said is they have to travel sometimes twice a week and get on a plane. Nobody right now, like I should say nobody, most Americans right now don't want to get on a plane and fly somewhere because of the risk that is associated with that. Plus all of our public health uh, leaders are saying like, Hey, let's not try to take the, let's don't take the virus from one city to the next. And yet you're asking these guys sometimes twice a week to go yep. to the airport, get on a plane and fly somewhere. And so, yeah, there is a mental, a mental side of it. And, you know, I look at it too. Like if Michigan decided not to play the bowl game, frankly, like, I mean, I don't know if they're going to a bowl game, but I, I don't think that they should. I agree. Right now they've told president Mark Schlissel has sent all of his students home. Nobody's yep. allowed to be on campus except for the student athletes. Nobody is, is that, having, Mike? you know, 
because they're not student athletes, Will, because they're athletes. Because they, they make money. money for the universities. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, like, let's, let's, I mean, come on. Like, look, we're getting closer and closer to a better day when it comes to this. So at the end here, maybe we should try to a little bit, like, rectify some of the, some of the ridiculous things that we've been asking of everybody and just take a pause. And so I would love to see Michigan not playing a bowl game. And if they decide this week to shut it down and not play any more football, I'm okay with that. I'm good with that. If that's what's in the best interest of the health and safety of their team and their coaching staff and everybody involved, I'm good with that. I couldn't agree more. You said it right. The students are all home. They're not allowed to be back. Um, why are the student athletes there? And then let's not just gloss over either that, first of all, obviously we have data on this, the majority of NCAA student athletes and the majority of University of Michigan student athletes are black and African-American, or at least in the revenue sports that are playing right now, I should say. And COVID has disproportionately affected black and brown Americans and is killing them at much higher rates. And so it just screams insensitivity or recklessness or worse to have these, you know, young, predominantly black teams of athletes being basically forced to go around to entertain and to make money for the university and putting them at risk. And what happens when they're 26 or 27 or 28 and there is some, you know, long-term lasting effects from COVID, who's going to pay for that? Right. And so anyway, I, I just, I'm, I'm with you guys. I love sports. It's been great to have them back. And it doesn't seem to make much logical sense, especially to try to grind out meaningless games. And the, and the people yeah. that, are, that are saying, calling them soft or saying these things are sitting from the comfort of their own couch, uh, yeah. not, not affected by it at all or not putting themselves into harm. But these, these guys should be for as pawns for your own entertainment. So, yeah, to 100%. Yep. 100%. And as you said, Justin, well, let them live a, them live a week. On the soap. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying, let them live a week in their shoes. I think we just spent a lot of time on the, on the. <laughs> Good try. Good try, guys. <laughs> yeah. I just, what I'll say is we just spent a lot of time in the soapbox. So I'm going to now take my step off the pedestal. There you go. There you go. And, uh, and say thank you, guys. I hope you have a great Sunday. Justin, I'm curious. Now what you have planned, because you've got engaged on Friday, um, celebrated on Saturday, is Sunday just a rest day, take it easy, relax, uh, no, more, no more of anything? Or is Sunday one more day of partying uh, before the work week begins? We, we do actually have a little Sunday fun day plan to uh, go out nice. and watch, watch some, uh, some Michigan basketball with some friends. See, the thing is, as much as we'd love to re relax, and, and we like to, to you know, do some Sunday fun day stuff too, but now everybody wants to see you, to see the ring, to, see, to congratulate you and everything. But, and so as, as exhausting as that may be, we are you know, blessed and, and happy to – to have great friends and family that want to see us and want to uh, congratulate and celebrate with us. So that's our plans. I think, you know, we've got what, two weeks till Christmas now. I imagine that it might not stop through uh, the holiday. We, we might just, you know, continue the celebration uh, as we see more and more friends and family during those times too, but we're happy. So, yeah. Well, congrats again, man. We are very happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. And we wish you the very best of luck. And next week, guys, we'll be talking about 
Next week, we have no excuse, though. So if we didn't watch much football this weekend, uh, Will, we have got to watch football next weekend because it's the championship weekend. Yes, sir. There will certainly be lots to talk about. Who are the college football playoff teams? All that, uh, all that good stuff we'll be able to discuss. Uh, wish you guys a happy and healthy week. Uh, and you know what? Go blue. Go blue and go Wildcats. <laughs> go blue, go Wildcats. Anybody but Ohio. Thanks, guys. Always. We'll, we'll talk to you later this week. Awesome. Take care. This is the Stadium and Main podcast, presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.